Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Open your Bibles. Get ready to go. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm not really planning on going into an in-depth study. I, I believe we just need to hit some high points and get to a place where we need to position ourselves for, for the Lord to take you and I further in some things that he has for us. And as a believer, we need to be fully versed and understand that God has given us the Holy Spirit for two major works in our individual life. Number one, he's given us the Holy Spirit to be inside of us. Do you you hear what I said? There's an inner work of the Holy Spirit. And first and foremost, God gave us the Holy Spirit to come in to our inner man. Go to Big John, that would be the Gospel of John. Go to chapter 20. And I want you to see the encounter that the disciples had with Jesus. Now understand, this was after his resurrection. This was after him going into the holies of holies with his blood. And the Bible says that he came back for 40 days in his glorified body, his resurrected body, the same type of body that you and I will receive when we're drawn up to him in a cloud, a flesh and bone body. And he gave them instruction before he ascended to the right hand of God the Father to sit down at his own right hand. So notice here in chapter 20, look at verse 21. This is Jesus talking to those followers. This just wasn't the 12. It was the others that were gathered with the 12. And he said unto them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. Now verse 22, this is where this gift of the Holy Spirit is given to everyone who believes. Verse 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. He actually breathed the breath of life. He, he, he breathed the breath of the Holy Spirit upon them, and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He actually breathed God, the Holy Spirit, into their spirits. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit came inside of them for the divine purpose to resurrect or to recreate or regenerate their human spirit. They received what Jesus said in John chapter 3, a spiritual birth. They were born of the Spirit and they were eternally changed. 
They became a species that never existed before. They became a new creature in Christ. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. But our this work that the Holy Spirit was sent to do in our life is not just that work that he's done in our heart when we were born again. He's also to do a work upon us. He also is to do a work that will endue us with the same anointing that Jesus received when he was baptized in the Jordan by John the baptizer and the Holy Spirit came on him to empower him to do the works of God on the earth. Look here in Acts 1.8. Now this is the second work of the believer. We just saw this inner work. Don't need to talk about that very much, I trust. You, you should be well versed in that. But here's that second work. This is when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer. Acts 1.8, this is Jesus speaking. He's preparing his uh, followers for what is to come. Now remember, they're already born again. He's already, in this juncture, he's already breathed upon them. They're believers. Yet, there's another experience that they wanted, he wanted them to have, one that they would wait for before they began pursuing the Great Commission. Look what he says. You shall receive power. That's what the King James says. Now, that word power is the Greek word deutimus, and it simply means God's anointing or empowerment to do works of God. It's his miracle working power. It is an anointing of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying he's going to send by the Holy Spirit coming upon you and I is exactly what he received when God anointed him when he was baptized. Now this all comes back to what Jesus said in John chapter 14. He said the believer would do the same works as Jesus. And that's because we're receiving the same anointing as Jesus. Does that make sense? And so he's saying that you're going to receive power. When is this power going to, to be made available to work through us? It says it's after the Holy Ghost is what? Come upon you. Now see, they already had him in them. Now he's coming upon them. It's an anointing. It's an empowerment. It's an, a divine heavenly enablement with the Holy Spirit working through, through or upon the individual believer. Well, why, does, why do we need this power? To be a witness of him and of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Now, understand that for the majority of all the centuries that the church has been at work on the earth, the church has primarily tried to do the ministry of Jesus with only having the Holy Spirit in them. 
The early church worked with both the Holy Spirit in them and upon them, and that's why you see all the mighty works of God in the book of Acts, because they were empowered like Jesus was empowered. But through the centuries, the gospel has been watered down. The, the, the church and the de denominational man-made doctrines have eliminated this being filled with the Spirit, being anointed with this power. And so the church has been inept. It has been very benign. It's just been something that gives information without demonstration. Because there's no power. Amen? So understand that when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer and we are filled with the Spirit, we are now empowered the same way Jesus was before he began doing the works of God on the earth. Hallelujah. This experience of being filled, having that anointing upon us, is confirmed by the believers speaking in a heavenly language or speaking in what the Bible calls other tongues. Go to second chapter of Acts. Still, you're still there in first chapter. Go to the second chapter. Go down to verse 4. I understand you've heard these before, but let's, let's lay at least somewhat of a foundation. Now again, this is what Jesus said was coming from Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here he's coming upon them in the upper room in verse 4, Acts chapter 2. And it says they were all filled. With what? A person. Not a force, a person. And with that person, you have that anointing. You have that anointing. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, how do we know they were full? It says that they began to speak. What were they speaking? Other tongues or a heavenly language? That's what tongues is. Now, how were they empowered to do it? The Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. He gave them the ability. Amen? That is the smoking gun evidence, so to speak, that a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many times through 38 years of pastoral work that my wife and I heard people tell us, yes, I have the Holy Spirit, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, but yet they didn't have the evidence of being filled, so guess what? They weren't filled. In their mind, they were, but according to the Bible, they weren't. Which one was right, their mind or the Bible? I think the Bible was, right? Amen? So understand that if you cannot yield to the Holy Spirit and give voice to the words he gives you in a heavenly language, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're not empowered to the degree that the Holy Spirit wills to empower you. D does that make sense? It's, inter it's interesting. Through years of being in the ministry, that I've noticed that in, in people's lives, they allow ceilings to come into their life. What is a ceiling? A ceiling is when they get enough of God in a particular area and they become satisfied. 
and, and they're no longer hungry in, in that particular area. And they, don't, they stop growing. It, there's, there's so many different areas, like in their love walk. They're learning about love. They're growing in love. And then they see something in this love walk that they, they're required to do to get through this, this level that's holding them down. And they go, well, you know, I, I got enough. And they just stop. I've seen people get there in, in this realm of their relationship with the Holy Spirit. They get all excited about God. Oh, this is awesome. And then they see about this experience about being filled with the Holy Spirit to the degree where they begin to yield to the Holy Spirit and he gives them words that they speak out that are of a language that they never learned. And their, their mind goes, well, I don't want any of that. <laughs> Come on, that, you know, because I've heard about this and I've heard about that. I've heard stories about people that do that. And, da, 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 and, and see, they hit the ceiling. And they stop growing. They stop growing. And so I'm endeavoring to encourage each one of us is that if we don't have this experience, God gave it to us for a reason. And the reason is not so that you and I can speak with other tongues. The reason is, is so that we become empowered by God. Did you see over here in, in, in Acts 1-8, Jesus said, he didn't say, and you're going to be able to speak with tongues. No, he says you're going to receive power. The tongues is the evidence that you receive the power. It's also what you use to continue to develop the power. Amen? Amen? So the emphasis isn't on speaking in tongues. The emphasis needs to be on, I'm now anointed with heavenly power by the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's important. That's why I desire it. That's why I'm going to seek after it. That's why I'm going to walk in it. And that's why I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through me every day in other tongues. Because I'm going to keep that river flowing. And I'm going to keep generating that heavenly power that's on me by doing so. Amen? So understand that this is such an important factor of what God has given the believer. That's the reason the enemy, the devil, the, the organized man-made church has stood against this because once we're empowered in doing the works of Jesus, there's nothing that can stop the growth of the church. Once people see the power of God, whether they're a sinner or they're a saint, that's attesting to not only the reality of Jesus Christ, but also the reality of his power and his willing and willingness to use it to benefit us. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Also, the enemy fights this because being filled with the Holy Spirit, remember, the new birth brings him in us. He's now inside of us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit gets him upon us, where we're endued with power. We are anointed to do the works of Jesus. Understand that once you receive that baptism and you yield to the Holy Spirit to the degree that you're giving voice to heavenly words in a language that you haven't learned, that's the doorway to what the church coins as the gifts of the Spirit. And that's when things get really good. Let's look at that. Go on over to Corinthians. No, I'm going too fast. Go to Acts chapter 19. Sharon was wondering where I was going. <laughs> Let's get some more information here. Acts 19, verse 1. This is the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And it came to pass while Apollos was at, was at Corinth, Paul was passing through the upper coast, and he came to a city called Ephesus. And he came, and the Bible says here that he found certain disciples. Now, I know that you and I are just as human as Paul was. He saw these people. They were probably Jewish. And he just made the assumption that they were believers. In fact, he's calling, him, calling them certain disciples. You know, we have a tendency to just assume certain people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I the only one guilty of that? Especially a lot of our loved ones. Because we know them to be good persons, good people. We, we have an emotional tie to them. We, we, we love them. They're a part of us, or at least a part of our humanity. But you know, until we ask them some questions, we're really not going to know if they have a relationship with Jesus Jesus or not. And that's exactly what Paul begins to do. Look at this. He found certain disciples and he said unto them, so he's asking them a question in verse 2, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now that's inferring that every believer should be filled. Right? Or why else would Paul say, have you received since you were born again? since you believed. And they said unto him, well, we never such heard that there was any Holy Ghost. What's that? And so then he begins to question them further. Well, then what were you baptized unto? In whose name were you baptized? Might be a better way of saying it. Well, they said we were baptized unto John's baptism. How many of you know that a man's baptism has no heavenly value. Amen. I've got paperwork that says that I was baptized when I was a couple of months old in a beautiful looking building with people that wore pretty fancy clothes. 
and said some wonderful things. But that's a man's baptism. That's a religion's baptism. And it didn't impart, therefore, any spiritual life. You and I can do a lot of wonderful things on the outside, but that doesn't mean that there's a spiritual exchange from heaven into us coming because of it. Amen? So they were baptized according to John's baptism. And so in verse 5, he says that when he heard this, how they were baptized, he baptized them in the name of Jesus. Now understand that the early church used water baptism as a point of contact to receive Jesus as their Savior. Nowadays, we kind of do it the opposite. We confess the Lord, and then we go get baptized. But what they used to do is they used it as a turning point for a Jewish person to turn his back on the Jewish way and confess the lordship of Jesus while they were being baptized and submersed in water. And so they were actually waiting to confess Christ at the baptismal service, and they were actually born again in that service. We use it today as a sign of what we did in confessing Christ, and also as a witness to others. We're publicly confessing Jesus as our Savior. So when he did this, now look at this. Here in verse 5, it says that when they heard this, they were baptized. We could just as easily say they confessed Jesus as their Lord to be born again. And, verse 6, Paul then immediately laid his hands on them and the Holy Ghost came on them. So here, within 60 seconds <clears throat> or so, they received the Holy Spirit on the inside through the new birth and then received the Holy Spirit on the outside through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and were now empowered to do the works of Jesus. Well, how do we know they received the Holy Spirit? How do we know that they were now empowered? Because it says they spoke with tongues. Now here's the reason we're doing all this. Is I made a statement just a moment ago. That being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues is the doorway or the entranceway or being qualified for the Holy Spirit to use you in the nine what many call the gifts of the Spirit. That you can't operate in these gifts without being filled with the Spirit. Amen? Now understand, that means for centuries, the church was trying to do the works of Jesus without these nine gifts. Makes you wonder if they made very much progress at all, except make really nice buildings. Here we see it. Verse 6, you, you looking with me? It says that they spoke. Notice who did the speaking. They, the believer who was filled, they were yielding the Holy Spirit, speaking the words that he gave them. They spoke with tongues, and they did something 
else. They did, they were used by the Holy Spirit to do one of the nine gifts of the Spirit to prophesy. And so that's evidence that once you're filled, you're now qualified for the Holy Spirit to use you in these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, we can go to 1 Corinthians. Could we just pause there for a second? Give a little bit of an advertisement for these, these gifts of power. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much training you have. I don't care about anything naturally speaking. But once you have received this baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're filled and you speak by the Holy Spirit in a heavenly language, you are now in a position where the Holy Spirit can manifest himself through you in these nine manifestations or gifts of the Spirit. You don't have to have a Bible school degree. You don't have to have 10 years of doing this or doing that. No, once the Holy... This, this individual, this disciple from Ephesus was yielding to the Holy Spirit and prophesying within moments of being filled. Amen? Now let's look at these manifestations. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I believe I'm in the King James. That should be the same version you have up front here. <clears throat> now it says, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, many of us call these gifts of the Spirit. In fact, I've called them that from the very beginning. However, I want us to understand that these are not gifts. What do you mean they're not gifts? Well, if someone gives you a gift, then you can use it when you will. But if it's a manifestation, meaning it's something that the Holy Spirit is going to do through you, then it's, he's going to be able to do it when he wills. So when you call them a gift, it makes it look like we possess this gift. Oh, I have a gift of healing. And I can use, the, it gives you the perception, well, then I can just use it anytime I want. No, you can't. Because it's not a gift, it's a manifestation. And it will only manifest, and we'll see in these verses, when he wills. Amen? So I'm trying to train myself and not say gifts of the Spirit and call them manifestations of the Spirit. Because they will manifest through you as he wills and as you yield to him. Amen? Now look at this. So the manifestation of the Spirit is given to whom? Every man. And we understand that this is every human being that is not only a believer and has the Spirit within, but they have the Spirit upon, and they speak with other tongues, the evidence of being filled. 
Now, it'll begin to list these. The word of knowledge, the, excuse me, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith, and that is better from the amplified called special faith. This isn't saving faith because saving faith is a gift and you use it wherever, whenever you will. This is special faith and it's a manifestation of faith of a higher variety of saving faith and is done by the Holy Spirit to another gifts, that's plural. Notice that from the Greek, both gifts and healing are plural. So these are multiple manifestations of healing. Yet it's by the same Holy Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning or seeing into the spirit realm, to another different or diverse kinds of tongues. And that's not the gift of this, this, this isn't, your devotional tongue, this is a ministry tongue. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. And all of these manifestations work that one and self same spirit dividing to every human, every believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit, severally, multiply, as he will. Now, it is the will of God that every spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer operates in these manifestations on a regular basis. Kind of quiet in here. You see, we've been religiously brainwashed that these manifestations are reserved for those who are trained those who are public speakers, those who are stellar Christians. That's not the case at all. Now, they're included. But remember, this is, this is the body of Christ doing the works of the ministry. You see... This last and final outpouring before the return of Jesus Christ will be accomplished because a greater amount of the body of Christ will begin yielding to the Holy Spirit that's upon them and doing these works. I mean, we've got a, we've got a world now that we're halfway through, what are it, seven and a half billion people on the earth today? That's a lot of folk. And Jesus had the success he did in his three and a half years of ministry because he was operating in these manifestations all the time. And so are we the body to be working in them all the time. Now, we'll never have the occurrence of how often the Holy Spirit will use us like Jesus. but we should be having these manifestations on a regular basis. Amen? Now, 
We're going to do a quick study of all these so I can get to where I want to go. It's interesting to see that there are nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit and there's nine fruit of the Spirit. Understand that God has always balanced everything as we develop allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest these manifestations through us at the same time we need to be working on the fruit of the Spirit because all these will operate by the love of God amen now check this out we break these down into three groups of three there's nine manifestations. There's three groups of three. The first, we call them the utterance gifts, or, see, there I am with the gift word again. They're utter, utterance manifestations that say something. They're vocal. And that's prophecy. That's ministry of tongues. And that's the interpretation of tongues. If you've been in, in Corinthians for any length of time at all, you'll see that the, the Apostle Paul said that he would prefer that every believer would prophesy. This should be the most reoccurring manifestation of the Spirit that the body of Christ should have. What does it mean to prophesy? It has nothing about foretelling or revealing the future. The simple gift of prophecy is just a word of encouragement or edification or bringing comfort. <clears throat> and it's God speaking to us through this manifestation. And it will always be in your known tongue. A prophecy doesn't need interpretation because it speak, is spoken, in our case, in English. You should be having these in your devotional times. <coughs> I should say it differently. You and I should be having these in our devotional times. And I can show you two locations in the New Testament that shows us that and reveals it. A lot of these manifestations are to be enjoyed in our private devotional time and then, as he wills, they'll begin, he'll begin using you in public settings. But you begin in your personal life. If I don't spend enough time in the Lord's presence, if I don't spend enough time feeding on the Word of God, if I don't spend enough time in praying in the Holy Spirit, then I'm not going to have much resources for the Holy Spirit to manifest himself through me. You should be having prophecies in your daily devotionals. You should have tongues that you will interpret in your private times. Amen. And then as we practice them there, 
and develop them there. And when I say develop, just learning to have confidence and trust in the Holy Spirit and become yielded to him. You'll see these things begin to manifest uh, more uh, consistently. Now, there's three of these manifestations that reveal something. It's the discerning of spirits. It's the word of knowledge. It's the word of wisdom. The discerning of spirits is simply seeing into the spirit realm. It's not going up to somebody and discerning what spirit they're of. No, that's called witchcraft. The discerning of spirits is just actually being empowered by the Holy Spirit to see that which is unseen. And you'll see what he wants you to see. Hallelujah. A word of knowledge. Do you notice it says the word of knowledge? It doesn't say words of knowledge, meaning you're going to know everything. No, it's just a piece of knowledge. It's a part of knowledge. And the word of knowledge is information given by the Holy Spirit to, that pertains to now or the past. The word of knowledge is a particular piece or part of knowledge pertaining to right now or before. The word of wisdom, again, a singular part of wisdom, which gives you a view or a glimpse of the future. But remember, it's not, it's just a part or a piece of what's coming. You see, remember, the Lord still wants us to walk by faith. He's not going to show us everything so we just start walking in the things that we've seen. Now you stop walking by faith. He'll give you a glimpse to get you going in the direction that he wants you to go in, and then you have to follow him by faith, and then more will come. Amen. If you ever notice, your GPS only gives you directions one turn at a time. It doesn't tell you the 19th turn that's coming up. You don't need to know it then. See, you and I have to learn how to get through life without knowing everything. Or making a decision about something before knowing everything. That gets a lot of people stuck in the mud. The way the Lord has led us in the building of this church has been one step at a time. We've got to follow him one step at a time. Hallelujah. The third group is the group that manifests something. It does something. And we call these the power manifestations. So you had the utterance manifestations. You had the revelation or the revealing manifestations. These are the power manifestations. Now I'm telling you, with all my heart tonight. We already have prophecy and ministry of tongues, interpretation of tongues happening in this church all the time. All the time. And it happens in our, in our prayer groups. It happens when we go minister in song over in Sharon's. It's, these are gifts are very plentiful. Gifts. These manifestations are very plentiful in our midst. Hallelujah. We praise God for him. But you and I are going to start 
striving for the manifestations of the revelation gifts and the power. Now, these three are gifts of healing. Hallelujah. Gifts of healing. You heard uh, Tammy say this on Sunday, that Jesus received 39 stripes, each stripe for every category of sickness that the medical field has discovered. Well, I believe there's 39 manifestations of healing. It's interesting, during the uh, healing revival that lasted from 1948 on into maybe 1962, you know, people like Oral Roberts, uh, people like William Branham, people like Jack Cole, people like A.A. Allen. Something was very interesting is that they had a group called Voice of Healing. And so these, these traveling, I guess we could call them evangelists, who God was using during that revival to just demonstrate the power of God uh, to the world. Well, they, they would come together socially. And they started talking to one another. And um, they found out that in this group, I think there was about a hundred of them. I, I don't know the exact count. Don't hold me to that number. But they found out that in that group, one of them would be used in uh, healing deaf ears. And almost every deaf ear they laid hands on, they were healed. And another guy was, you know, every time I prayed for a blind guy, they, their eyes always opened. Which I didn't always get the deaf ears to open, but I Blind eyes, they always open for me. Yeah, every time I lay hands on people with tumors, those tumors went away. And they found out that they began to see, well, I've got that gift. I've got that manifestation. And that's why God keeps using it over and over when I pray for those people with that condition. just thought you might find that interesting and so they finally got to the place where if there was someone that had a condition they said well who you who does who God who does God use to to to, to heal that oh it's so-and-so well, let's get him why should I pray for him I get I, I only hit it 10% of the time let's bring what's his name over here he does a hundred percent he's got that manifestation he's got that particular variety of manifestation to heal a particular uh, sickness or condition. Amen? Now, I'm going to make a statement. I want you to wrap your arms around it like two sticky band-aids. You ready? It is the will of God to manifest himself in every church service. 
in any time we gather in his name. Now, that's not just in those manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about in the way that the Holy Spirit manifested himself through Jesus. Over here in Matthew chapter... Wow, my goodness, look what time it is. I got to quit. Matthew 9.35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, number one, teaching. Understand that by the prophet Isaiah, Jesus said that the Spirit is upon Jesus to teach. So there is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit to teach. See, when I say that the Holy Spirit is supposed to manifest in every service, I'm not talking about people getting out of wheelchairs. How many of you know that, that teaching is a supernatural, anointed gifting of the Holy Spirit to work through the believer? We should have that every service. So he taught, he preached, and he also healed. And so we should have at least one of those streams in every service. Now, Jesus primarily taught. So probably 75% of the time, that manifestation of the Spirit he had in 75% of his services was that anointing to teach. That manifestation to teach. Amen? Another 15% was preaching, and then whatever was left over, the other 10%, he did these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, this is, this is why we did all this. I've got a question for you. I want you to have an answer for me next time. I'll tell you a little story. I'm going to go over. You guys are not going to throw rocks at me, are you? We're okay? <laughs> Maybe I should get you to sign a waiver. <laughs> now, you know I'm, I'm trained up by Kenneth E. Hagan. I kind of see myself in the ministry of helps for him. Still preaching through me all these years, even though he's gone home to be with the Lord. Because the message the Lord gave him are the messages we need to bring Jesus back. And we just don't have these messages very much these days. But he was traveling from church to church. And, uh, He'd stay in a church for four, six, eight weeks. Took him about four weeks just to get the people to let go of the things that they believed that were contrary to the Word of God. Before he'd get them to pick up what the Word of God was, and then things would start popping in like the sixth, seventh week. Wonderful things would happen. Well, he found out that he'd go to a church and you know good church good pastor good people generous 
across all the earth. And in that, in that time with them, he'd have seven of the nine manifestations of the Spirit manifest in a service. Seven out of the nine. That's pretty good. And then he'd go to the next church. Preach the same thing. Do all the same thing. And maybe two would manifest in the whole time he was there. And they were always the vocal gifts. Either prophecy, tongues, or interpretation of tongues. None of the power gifts, none of the revelation gifts. Then he'd go to the next church, and five would manifest. And then he'd go to another church. Only one or two would manifest. Now, every one of these churches was a good church. And the, they were good people. He knew the pastor. He knew the pastor was faithful. He knew the, the pastor was moral and a good teacher. And, and, uh, but the gifts wouldn't manifest. So he went to the Lord. He thought maybe he was doing something wrong. Even when he would go to a church and spend extra time praying, extra time studying, extra time preparing, didn't make any difference. Didn't change anything. So I want you to think about what the answer is to that question. Why would the Holy Spirit manifest himself in seven different manifestations of the Spirit in one place. And not just do it every place. Why were sometimes the Holy Spirit would be moving and popping like popcorn in services in one place 